Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Another one of those wonderful stories in John's Gospel that just, uh, just bursts to life for us in all its myriad details. Uh, just as we've seen Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, now we meet the man blind from birth. Uh, just to put this a little bit into its context, Jesus is in Jerusalem. Um, it's probably in the September, October time of year. Uh, because they've gone up for the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Sukkot. And um, it's a time when there was, during this feast, uh, the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam uh, with water jugs and carry them up uh, to the Temple Mount and then pour the water down the steps of the temple. Uh, kind of enacting those ancient words from Ezekiel and Jeremiah about waters coming out from the temple. So there is a, a lot of uh, double meanings again going along in this story. It is indeed a story of physical healing, but there's so many more uh, layers to this story placed as it is in this context. And so on seven days they would go up, they would go down, get the water from the pool of Siloam and pour it down the steps. There was also um, a lighting ceremony that went on. And it was a time uh, of a feast that was actually looking forward to the arrival of Messiah. And, um, and we see in this context that Jesus has already said, I am the living waters to the woman um, of Samaria. Um, and he, he says here, I am the light of the world. So both of these images that are very much a part of this feast come to bear fruit in Jesus. In other words, he is, he is saying in this that he is the feast. He is the fulfillment of the feast. Just as those of you who have been going along to the study in the book of Hebrews um, we'll be seeing uh, unfolded that Jesus um, in himself is the ultimate sacrifice. So all of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament um, comes to its pinnacle in Jesus' one sacrifice. And so the sacrifices of the temple are no longer needed because of Jesus' one fulfilled sacrifice once and for all. So the old feasts of the Old Testament are fulfilled also in Jesus. And in this one, he fulfills this feast, this feast that looks forward to the Messiah because he is the Messiah come. He is the light of the world and he is the living water, that water that is poured down, that wonderful picture in Ezekiel of the water just kind of getting deeper and deeper. In him, we have the water, the wellspring of life. And so as we look at this, uh, Jesus therefore is um, in Jerusalem and the first thing to note is that the man is not calling out to be healed. He is just sitting there begging, uh, born blind, blind from birth. 
And uh, we hear, we read in here, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And then as he's, uh, as we hear this, the disciples then see the man. And then they ask the question that was a question on everybody's mind, and perhaps still today we hear this question, and that is, did the man sin or did his parents sin? Was his illness, in other words, caused by what he did, by his own sin, or was his illness caused by what his parents did before he was born? And Eugene Peterson in the message uh, translates it this way. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do, and indeed God can heal. And God comes in and heals through Jesus Christ. So in other words, this is, some, this is, this is a way in which God is going to be glorified through the work of Jesus Christ in the life of this man. And as I said, you know, John really plays with these themes of light and dark, darkness, light, and we see this blind and sight. And uh, the, as, the, as the story unfolds, as I said, it is a story about a man who receives physical sight, who receives healing, but there's also another layer going on there, because what happens is gradually those who are sighted and who are supposed to be walking in the light, because they are, after all, the chosen people, the people of Israel who have been given the light of God's word. And what we see is that they are gradually going into unsightedness, into darkness. They, uh, they are blinded, then they're blinding themselves by not opening themselves up to the word of God. Meanwhile, what happens to the man who's been born blind, who has been born into darkness, gradually we see not just a physical uh, light coming upon him, but also a spiritual awakening. So he moves from darkness gradually more and more and more into the light. So um, I love this. Uh, he's, he's a spunky guy. This, this is, I just love this guy. I mean, he doesn't care uh, who he says what to. He doesn't care about the authority of the Pharisees. So we see here, um, in his being given his sight, he's been given so much more. He's been given an incredible amount of confidence. He's been begging all his life on the margins of society, a nobody. And yet here he is, we see him through this story more and more, kind of just putting his shoulders back, standing more and more upright as the story goes on. So Jesus comes to him, he's not asked to be healed, and Jesus makes mud out of his own spittle and the dust of the ground. And he puts it on the man's eyes, and then he tells him to go and wash in the same pool, the pool of Siloam, out of which the priests have been taking the water to pour down um, the steps of the temple. Um, this is, Jesus does this for that reason. He's making the connection here. There are other pools that he could have sent him to, but he sends him to the pool of Siloam, and he gains his sight. 
he has sight for the first time ever. Can you imagine that? Somebody posted something on uh, YouTube about a woman who was maybe in her 20s, mid-20s, who had received a cochlear implant, had, had been deaf since birth, had never had hearing. And the doctor is, says to her, I am going to start to count. And she counts one, two. And the woman is in tears. She is just convulsed in tears. And they're tears of such joy because for all of these years since birth, she has not heard a sound. And now through this miracle of science, through the wisdom that God has given to those people to do this, she can hear sounds, and she can hear sounds clearly. And um, it's just, it's so tender. She's just, she's just sitting there, and she's just wiping tears from her eyes as she can hear. And then the doctor says, um, it's okay, and she calms her down, and then she says, I'm going to now uh, say the months of the year and she just starts January just such ordinary words January, February and the woman is just again in tears of joy for this miracle that has happened to her that's how this must have affected this man he has not seen anything And yet now he can see the colors in God's creation. He can see the faces of people who he has known, but he's never been able to see before. Such an amazing miracle. And um, he goes back and the neighbors are um, having a discussion amongst themselves it is that guy. No, it isn't that guy. Yeah, it is that guy. No, 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 no. It looks like him, but it surely can't be. And can't you just see this conversation going on? Because when you're used to seeing somebody who is not sighted, and then for them to open their eyes and to have sight, there's a change. But there's a change in new creation, remember? When Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, they don't recognize him immediately. When we're newly created in Christ, there is a change. Hopefully, um, there's an ongoing change. There's a transformation so that we actually don't look the same as we looked before. This man is created new in this sense. He has physical sight now. And we see this progression of spiritual sight also that goes on. And he keeps saying, I am he. He says, I am that man. I am that man. I really am. And he needs to uh, prove prove himself to them that I am that man. So they said, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered. Now he knows it was Jesus. Doesn't know anything more, but he knows it was Jesus. And he says, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So they take him along to the Pharisees. What else are they going to do, right? This is, this is huge. This is really nothing has ever happened like this before. And so initially, see among the Pharisees, 
um, there's a little bit of a division amongst them. Some of them think that um, only somebody who follows God could do such a miracle, um, and then the others think that he's a sinner. So they're somewhat divided amongst themselves, but they say, um, so they, the man formerly uh, born blind comes, and it was a Sabbath day. Remember, Jesus always, uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes heals on the Sabbath because he's Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord of everything, but he's certainly Lord of the Sabbath. So he can do what he wants on the Sabbath and to uh, re-instruct people as to uh, the, the reality of why the Lord set apart the Sabbath in the first place. So he's done this on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. Now he's kind of collapsed the story a little bit now. And we see that he put mud on my eyes, washed, and now I see. Is that wonderful? Okay, this is it. It's quite simple, really. Put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I'm seeing. And, um, and, and so they're going on. Um, so some of them say this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? See, they're saying that because he did this on the Sabbath, he's a sinner. Jesus is a sinner. Uh, why would, uh, what would it be about what he did that was sinful on the Sabbath? He made mud. He made mud. He put spittle in with the dirt, mixed it together, and made mud, and that was working on the Sabbath. That made him, in their eyes, a sinner. So they say again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? Because they're not too sure. Part of them think that he's a sinner, and the other, thing, the other part think, well, he did this, he, he must be from God. Um, and the man says, he's a prophet. Not, well, I think he maybe might, might be a prophet. Do you see the awareness, the opening of the man's eyes, more than just the physical sight? There's a spiritual awakening going on here. He's the man named Jesus. He sent me, he is sent, and he sent me to the pool. He is a prophet. And the Jews didn't believe he'd been born blind. So they send for the parents. Well, the parents prevaricate at this point because they've heard that um, if you say that Jesus is Messiah, you're cast out of synagogue. Well, that means that doesn't just mean you can't go to synagogue on Sabbath, on, on sun, uh, Saturday. It means that you, um, you're out of the community. You no longer have a community. And if you're out of a community in that era, well, you might as well be dead because you don't have anybody else around. You might as well move, try and move to another place. And so they don't want to be cast out of the synagogue, so they put it back on their son. Wonderful, isn't it? Parents, they just, it's just, you know, the hot potato back to the son again. He's of age. Um, let him talk for himself. He can talk about, he can answer you. Um, so, so they say, but we can tell you. He was born blind. That we can say. Uh, we're not going to be cast out of the synagogue for saying that. He was born blind and he can see. All the rest of it you're going to have to ask him. So they ask him back again. Didn't you see this? They're trying, they're trying to make a miracle form into a paradigm that they have. They won't move their paradigm 
to encompass the, the miracle and to change their point of view. They're trying as hard as they can to make their world view fit this event or this event fit their world view. So they send for him a second time. And they say to him, give glory to God. Well, he's a walking glorification of God. He's been, he's been given his sight just by walking. God's glory is shining out of him because Jesus has worked in his life. And they're saying, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. So now there's no longer any division amongst the Pharisees. They've come to an understanding amongst themselves that Jesus is a sinner. They're no longer divided. They're moving further and further into darkness as the man is moving further and further into light. He's a sinner. And I love this. This is one thing I do know. He says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know, the blind man. But one thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. We'll sing that wonderful song, Amazing Grace, as we go out this morning. It's this passage that spoke so deeply to John Newton, the slave trader. He had been a man who was living totally in darkness. He was a slave trader on ships and he completely blocked out the cries of the slaves as they suffered in those boats. And in the middle of a storm... He cried out to God and came out of darkness into light and spent the rest of his years with John Wilberforce fighting against slavery to abolish slavery in England. And he wrote that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. Once I was blind, now I see. That is all that the man who was born blind needs to know. Once I was blind, now I see. And the difference is Christ. The difference is this man, Jesus. And they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Well, he's a little bit exasperated at this point in time. Don't you love it? He said, I've told you already. You know, I've told you already. Would you, do you want to be one of his disciples as well? Why do you want to hear it again? I mean, he's, you know, he's giving it back to them. And they reviled him, saying, you're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't even know where he came from. And the man answered, <coughs> Why, this is an amazing thing. <laughs> it's, it's dripping sarcasm here. This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes, and now he is teaching the religious elite. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See the progression of this man? 
He's received his physical sight. He knows it's Jesus. He's been challenged as to who is this man. Well, he is a prophet. And furthermore, as he is challenged more and more, he doesn't back down. He becomes stronger and stronger in his faith. The more that his faith is challenged as to what happened, the stronger he becomes in it. To finally, he is able to speak truth to the religious elite and to say, this is what we know. Without a a sinner does not have the ear of God. This man is a righteous man. He could not do this unless God did it through him. He's a worshipper of God. And they said, you were born in utter sin. And so here, what Jesus had said is not true at the very beginning of this story. Neither this man's sin nor his parents' sin caused this infirmity. The Pharisees are now uh, saying the exact opposite. They're saying, we know that you were born in your sin. And then they cast him out of the synagogue, but he doesn't care because of what he has received. And so Jesus goes to find him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, echoes of Daniel, the Son of Man, are coming on the clouds, all of those images of Messiah uh, that are uh, replete in, in Daniel, in the prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel. And so he says uh, to Jesus, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? He trusts Jesus so much now, just tell me, whatever you say, I'll believe And Jesus says, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And here is his final point of conversion. Lord, if Jesus is Lord, then there is no other. Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Isn't that wonderful progression from darkness into pure light, from blindness into perfect vision and sight. And then there's that word of judgment on the Pharisees. For they have blinded themselves to the truth of Christ. They have tried to push their world view onto something that is from God's view. And in the process They have walked into darkness, out of the light. We're challenged on a daily basis. Are we walking into the light or into darkness? You know, there are are times that we do get into darkness and the enemy would keep us bound there. There are things that we do or that we say or that happen and we just keep them inside. It's in fact a caution that uh, Paul talks about in today's epistle. He says, once you were darkness, not you were in darkness, but you were darkness. There was complete darkness of who you were. Once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Therefore live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, 
expose them. It's what we do during Lent. It's we look back, we lay open the inside of who we are, each layer back, looking, asking the Lord, show your light into the dark places, into those places where I have a tendency to walk into sin and to go further into darkness. Show them, Lord, so that they come to the light, because in the light they have no more power to keep me bound into the darkness. It's why uh, auricular confession uh, is done all the time, but, but more in, offered more frequently in the season of Lent, that um, ministry of the reconciliation of a penitent. That through the church, through what is given to the church, when it is spoken, when it is spoken out, out loud, as difficult as that is, when it is verbalized, it has no more power to keep us into the darkness. And then the uh, church has, uh, absolves in the name of God, God absolves through the church and through the ministers of the church so that it is done away with. It is no longer in darkness to hold us captive to the darkness. Some of you might have seen um, uh, or read that uh, Pope Francis went along to actually hear confession, but before he went to hear confession, he went and knelt down at well, the booths of one of the ordinary priests to say his confession. It's a wonderful example for all of us that um, wherever we are on life's journey, um, there are those things that we ask the Lord to reveal, to no longer keep in the darkness. So day by day, we have the choice of more life, opening our hearts or closing our hearts, more sight or less sight. So I pray that we would all this week be able to say with this man, once I was blind, but now I see. I pray, Lord, that you would keep me ever in your light. Amen.